Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, where we will bring you some of the most interesting interviews and features from the world of tech. Visit irishtechnews.ie and check out our podcast section to explore all of our previous episodes. You can subscribe to our podcast using whatever your favorite app or service is by visiting anchor.fm forward slash irish-tech-news. Hi, welcome. Today's our technical podcast. Today I'm talking with John Mitchell, CEO of All Human. How, how are you doing, John? I'm very good, Ronan. Lovely to meet you. Likewise. Thanks now, before we start, tell us a bit about your background, because I know you used to work, the company used to be called uh, Strata 3. That's right. Yeah, it was It was in, in, invested in, or it was established in the in the late 90s in the first 1.0.com, so it, it really absorbed that hyper-techie name. Um, so the business has been in, 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 in existence for 20 years, Ronan, um, we're tipping towards 100 people at this point. Uh, we'd assert that we're one of the largest uh, independent digital agencies in, in this island. Um, and its genesis would have been as a, as a conventional web shop, building and designing products at yeah. the time. Uh, over the last number of years, particularly in the last decade, we've, we've really gone deep into analytics and assessing, you know, are the digital products and channels working for our clients? Are they generating revenue? Are they converting sales in the way they should be? Are they doing all the commercial things that our clients want us to do? And so that was kind of our second age. And uh, over the last two or three years in particular, uh, we, we're kind of in our, our third phase of development, as we'd like to call it, where we have observed uh, huge gaps in terms of how, you know, in many cases, you know, household brands and, you know, quite seasoned, recognized companies yeah. are not optimizing and getting a real return on their uh, investments. And um, what we're what we're really, really focusing on, Ronan, is going back to basics, to our phrase, John Major, yeah. uh, in a way, is to really go back to asking real humans, real people, and using, you know, very tuned research methods to establish real insights. And those insights are really material for organizations trying to navigate digital into the future and to maintain their existence. So yeah, we're, we're, we're 20 years of business, but we're probably a very different, we're a very different company now than we would have been uh, during inception. Um, so I hope that kind of fills in some yeah, of the gaps over the last 20 years. Because earlier you were saying you started in the first uh, kind of web dot uh, com, but I can remember I'm watching TV series at the moment called Pam and Tommy on, on, on uh, Disney Plus. And it's about basically the sex type going by. And when they first started doing it, they stumbled it online because it's the one place no one can find you. So yeah. when, they, when they can't find you, you can do it. And he was talking about all about like Alta Vista and uh, Lycos, all these browsers that right now aren't there anymore. And it, digital marketing didn't really exist then where it does now. So when you started off, you were in that kind of area where no one knew where it was, where it was leading to. And exactly. right now, we're looking at it right now, the, the web that we're using now is not the web that was there 25 years ago. Yeah, and I suppose the, the law of unintended consequences is really, is really relevant to the, con- you know, when you talk about search, Ronan, you know, uh, whatever about people's private lives back in the yeah. late 80s and 90s, you know, we all wish that, uh, or we were, we're, many of us are glad that there wasn't those, uh, those technologies back then. Um, but, you know, in a contemporary context, search is a big problem. Search is a big problem for brand equity and for organizations looking to maintain their distinctiveness into the future. So if you think about it logically, 
search informs a lot of e-commerce. So when you go and buy health insurance, or you go and buy a banking product, you go and buy something that's in a retail context or a fashion item, inexorably a lot of it is through search criteria. So in that, in that, Emma, you know, as, as users behave that way, you know, everything becomes very commoditized. So yeah. if you have a brand or you're reselling products on behalf of somebody else, it's very, very hard to have uniqueness. And, you know, that's probably, you'll probably get away with it because you can sell, your value proposition might be around service, it might be around price, it might be around, uh, you know, legacy brand and, and brand loyalty and all those good things. But, you know, it, the types of questions that we're we're asking our, our, our clients at C-Suite and in the boardrooms are, what does three years out look like? Will you be commoditized? Will you be disintermediated? Will you have brand equity into the future? Uh, that's a big question, right? Uh, yeah. And there's lots of there's lots of straws in the wind about you know direct to consumer. Lots of big heavy behemoth type brands are looking to to really go direct to consumer and cut out the middlemen. Um, and you know in in the in the case of many other verticals, you know it's very hard to distinguish between one current account and the other. Or one health insurance provider, or one car yeah. insurance provider, or one you know travel travel provider. So our method is very much about going back to asking real humans what they want. And while we're not ever advocating that you'll come out with you know huge breakthrough insights, what we're very very confident in what we've proven through our work is it doesn't take much. All yeah. it takes is just finding little edge cases, little points of differentiation that you can build out a unique proposition. And the brands that do that are going to are going to flourish into the future. And those who don't are just going to retreat back into the background. They're just going to become, you know, Magnolia. <laughs> um, and, and they're not going to actually be able to differentiate in the future. That's a really, really important thing to say. And, you know, what we're also observing, you know, in a lot of the kind of senior conversations that we're having with real business people who, who have invested significant you know, expand, you know, CapEx and OpEx into into digital. And many of them have invested in, you know, conventional digital transformation and they've done heavy IT investment and invested in AI and invested in people, you know. But there's a real delta. Like there seems to be, and it's quite shocking, really, quite a gap between return and investment. Are these digital channels eliciting revenues in the way they should be? Are they pegged? Are they benchmarked against peers? You know, when we get all that traffic, and you know from you know your work, Ronan, yeah. the level of media spending that that organisations, small and big, spend on generating traffic to a storefront or an e-commerce shop. But what we're observing is that the fall off in conversion, that the amount of footfall you get at the shop, and then that translating into people and users actually buying the product or or, or just skimming and leaving, is is quite shocking. So, and, and what we're seeing is you know a real lack of rigor. You know, within the boardroom to to really scrutinise, are we actually doing things right? Are people really asking the right questions of real people? Are these the services you want? Are these the user channels that you want? Are these the products or the apps, the websites or the digital journeys that you want? And if they're not, let's not build them anymore. Yeah. Um, we've taken. We work with you know many brands. We work with you know with the likes of Vault Ireland in in, in, uh, in developing Discover Ireland. You may know that brand. It's it's, uh, it's probably one of the biggest websites in the country. It's Consolidation of Wild Atlantic Way and yeah. Ireland's Ancient East. And, you know, last year alone, 2 million people went through that, that digital ecosystem booking staycationing. And that has a real business impact for that industry. So, you know, the result of those 2 million visits is 400,000, you know, direct referrals into the industry. So that's a really, really important thing. Now, that impact is by really systematically 
asking real users what they wanted. And what they didn't want was just a listing of B&Bs and hotels. What they wanted was a very curated journey that allowed them to build up their own experience and get little nuggets of insights as to where they could go to holiday in the island of Ireland. Now, that's a very small thing, but that is the edge case. It's really finding those little insights. And the way you do it, go back to the basics. You ask real people. You know, we're, we're, we're applying that method, Ronan, to helping brands like Lily O'Brien sell chocolate in China. And we've helped brands like On Post move from having like a vast array of nearly 70 different websites and apps uh, and moving from being, you know, quite a, an old semi-state into, you know, a really progressive digital exemplar. And they're generating new income from new services in a digital context that di- just didn't have before. Again, because they're going back and asking real people, you know, what can you want or what do you want from, from our mix of services? Uh, another example is like we're working, we're doing some really interesting stuff in the whole med tech space, the likes of Let's Get Checked. Uh, and we're also working with, again, some domestic brands like Irish Rail. Like Irish Rail, as an example, and this is pre-COVID, but they've moved from 20% of their revenue. Uh, it's gone up to nearly 70% of their on, of their total income is through a digital channel. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, as a semi-state body, you know, I commend them because they're, they're always asking, eliciting feedback. There's a constant hygiene effect of testing and refining and streamlining. And... Um, but, you know, ultimately where we're at is it's very much that kind of method of, you know, if you ask real people, then there's some real benefits to your business planning that comes out of that. You can find out what revenue or what return on investment you can for your media spend. It, it shines a real hard light you know, or a really bright light into the ROI on, on as I said, yeah. on search. It can also then inform where your brand is going to be in the future. And they're really big as I said, existential, heavy gearing type uh, commercial questions that you have to address. So if you're in a omni-channel context and you have retail footprint and branches or and also digital and maybe call center as a multi-distributed sort of omni-channel uh, go-to-market strategy, how do you know which of those to invest or divest from? Uh, again, they're the types of things that we're learning by asking real people. And we're also quite, and not to be alarmist here, we're quite shocked by the lack of method and, and rigor uh, that's been applied to the research into the users to, to inform uh, digital solutions. You know, we, you know, you tend to get a lot of conventional method, very generic vanilla type questions. You end up with a very vanilla type response. Uh, and that's not really going to cut it in the future, we feel. And I suppose we're... We're just being sentinels here. We're, we're asking those questions um, and we're having very, very plain language type business conversations with, with organizations at, a, at, a, at a quite a senior level. And, you know, it's, it's paying off. We can see the results. The proof, the proof is there in the numbers. And I guess well, like if, you're, if you're a person using a digital channel at home, you want to make sure the experience is very similar to actually being in, in a physical shop. And that if you're looking at a product, how do you convert that person into a sale? Whereas if you're in a real store and, and you're there, a salesperson can tell you more about that product and tell you why it's good for you. Whereas online, you got to make sure you get that same seamless transformation. You do. It's a very, it's, 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 it's a very valid question, Ronan, in the sense that, you know, in many ways, particularly over the last two years, there's a kind of almost, a, dare I say, cognitive dissonance between what is online and offline. So when you, the really, the really smart companies are managing to create a mix of experiences that feels the same in store as it does online. And, and it's almost becomes almost impossible to tell the difference between. So, you know, 
I've received something through my front door in a delivery and the whole ex experience and the digital interface that I deal with maybe through an app, it all feels coherent. It feels really the same thing. Yeah. It's not that I'm jumping out of digital into a physical and they feel very different. So the smart companies are creating that omni-channel broad customer experience where everything feels part of the same thing, right? And that's what client, that's what users want today. That's what younger audiences want today. They want to feel like, and the way to really navigate that, to, to, uh, to point out which digital touch points have an appropriate place or not, because digital isn't a panacea. Yeah. It needs to live with an overall customer experience lifecycle. It's again, go back and ask users. You know, do you want to just check pricing? Do you want a loyalty? Do you want to have a self-service port or not? I mean, we see, we it's shot again. You know, shocking the amount of investment that's gone into self-service portals that really have very low pass-through rates or you know user interaction because the perception on the client side is, oh, there needs to be a self-service portal for this particular service. Well, actually, there doesn't. You know, quite often that can be done at a much lower uh, cost base through. Technologies like AI or through simple callback and the business cases around really, really uh, vetted again by asking real, real, real people. Well, for me, example and is my my parents four years ago bought and bought a new car, and their older car was a Volvo. When they bought the last Volvo, when they bought it, they, they actually all they could do was go online to a website and check the price list of the car and everything else. The current thing they, they could go in now and they could build the car and see it been built for what they want for the car, so they knew what it would cost them. So when they, were, when they were going, they then had this all this stuff done. They can go to the, to the dealer and say, this is what we're looking for. This is a car that we, we built on, on the Volvo Ireland website. Uh, can you give us this? And that was it. And, we, and it, it was seamless, but it was great. Yeah, and I, I've no doubt that, you know, the designers behind that kind of Volvo experience, you know, were very methodical in asking real users, are, are these interfaces, is this ability to change the color or the internal, you know, you know, fit out or the wheels or the alloys yeah. or whatever attributes went with the car, you know, they, they curated that to an extent that it felt very seamless. And the, the other business benefit of that is, is that your parents walking into that car showroom are a very likely buyer. Um, you know, we work with uh, Irish Life Health and one of the key things they said to us when we started working with them is, we're getting a lot of waste into lots of tire kickers, pardon the pun, into the call center. You know, are they really just price checking or are they qualified leads that really have a return for us? Because as you know, you know, investment in call center and the rule of thumb is, you know, it's for every hundred dollars in a call center and, you know, um, or hundred dollars in retail, it's, it's $10 in call center, $1 on, online in terms of the kind of cost comparison, in terms of operational expenditure. What we were tasked with for our life was, make the buyer really qualified so they really know what the product is or what the health cover is when they get on the phone if they need to do that yeah. and you know that's analogous to your story about your parents in the car you know if you make those journeys very, very curated and very tailored and very logical and very seamless and you test and you refine them and you consistently ask people is this what you want is that content too bloated is that product mix too long-winded yeah. you know is there is it does it fit with your lifestyle and if you don't have time to fill out a really lengthy form online, do you wish a callback? All those little micro interactions and micro optimizations and bits of streamlining. It's like the sporting analogy. It's the percentage game. It's all the all the kind of micro corrective things you do yeah. that creates business growth yeah, in well, digital. Context. Well, in my parents' case, they knew they wanted to get an Volvo, but they knew the car they had was the uh, was an at the time they had an S eighty, which was top of the range Volvo. It wasn't a top of the range model, but it was a 
biggest model size they sold, and my parents realized we want to downsize to a smaller car because we don't need a big car anymore, and also it'll be easier in parking. So they went in and got a, a, a hatchback, a V40, and said that's what we want. So they could go and build, it, build up the, the, everything else, and, and they knew what it would cost roughly. And then when they went to the dealer, they showed the car they wanted. Dealer goes, well, you're in luck. I actually have a few of those cars here that you wanted. But I go, ones that are fully spec that, that we took in, that we hope to sell on. We didn't sell on, and we're, we're selling them at a dis discount. And the cars are basically brand new, haven't been used. So they got the car cheaper than possible get, which is great. Yeah, and I suppose the, the another, car, you know, I suppose kind of message in that story alone is that if, if, um, if Volvo were really testing the data that was coming through in terms of the product selection, they may not have produced as many of the cars that stood, stood, stood idle or, or were parked idle on the, on, on the car park lot, you know, yeah. and, and that's the, the, I suppose, the virtuous circle of asking real people what they want. When they start to engage with the digital channel, it can be really instructive as to what the need is. And that can flow back into the supply chain. It can flow back into the service provision, and it can even flow back into which cars to make and which ones not to make. Yeah. Um, Actually, company is yeah. Sorry, another company is that basically they don't really care about that. Their view is our website is just a brochure, and that's it, and nothing much else. And when you see that, oh, yeah, it's not a brochure. Or they might decide, oh, our website is Facebook. That to me, I don't quite get. And the one I found funny was last week, Finnafall had a tweet about ministers being in uh, Minster on Insta. And my view is, um, no, no politician uses Instagram to promote themselves. Instagram is for a different, different following. You should be using basically Facebook and Twitter, not Instagram. Well, look, I mean, Ronan, there's no hard rules now, but what, what has become very clear over the last two years is that all the precepts that we had about what you can do or not do online are completely thrown up in the air. Yeah. You know, there's behaviors now that have happened in a digital context that aren't going away. People are buying food or bringing food to their, their, their parcel delivery numbers to people's houses is, you know, stratospheric. People are buying things they never bought. They're bidding on houses on, in, through online portals that they never would have done before. And fine, you know, in a post-COVID world, things are opening up and the ability to get into the physical reality is, is in front of us, thankfully. Yeah. But there's, there's behaviors that are hard-coded now because it's easier. Um, and what we're, what we in all human are about is, is really trying to interrogate and help serious organizations that have already d d invested in digital um, to really optimize and get a return on that investment and help them grow those revenues. And again, there's two real messages that, you know, that we try and kind of impart is if you do that in a systematic way and understand what, what real people want, you can really get that ROI. I've said that a number of times. Yeah. But at a more existential level, if you don't, your brand may retreat into a very, very commoditized, almost invisible world right now. You know, by allowing your brand to live in a Facebook's Facebook context or in a, in a in an Amazon kind of marketplace, for example, you're ceding control. You're ceding your brand equity to a third party, and that's dangerous. Um, and what we're about is making sure that brands can really see themselves in two years, three years, five years out. And what does that mean for them? What is their proposition? What does their digital presence look like? And that informs the investment they need to make or the divestment they need to make in the physical world. So they're very, very important things. And it all roads point back to asking users. Yeah. And, and also, I suppose another third dimension to what we're observing is speed to market. 
Um, the, the, the old paradigm of digital transformation typically was like moving an oil tanker. It was heavy IT investment. It was, as I said, cultural change, organizational change, you know, optimization, investment of people and systems and tools, etc. You know, it, it's slow. It's heavy. It, it's a change, right? Um, the market doesn't let you away with that. The user behavior, you know, users are promiscuous. They bounce around from different. They're not loyal. Um, so the ability to stand up uh, services and products in digital context, it needs to, it needs to gather pace. So in, in our practice, in our company, we research over a fairly rapid period. We ask users what they want and we put product in front of them. We put design concepts in front of them, validate it, stand it up, launch it, refine it. And if you don't do that and get into that kind of, that level of agility, that level of nimbleness, you're just going to be outgunned, you know? Yeah. And um, it, these are all, they all come back to, you know, using the, real people to, to inform that and that connective tissue with real with real people is really where smart brands are building real brand equity you know they feel it feels like a good service i feel ronan 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 interacts with this brand and they feel like they know this they know what you want not in a creepy way yeah. but also when it feels like that's what you wanted in terms of the extent of involvement um and there's a you know that's that's the way to building loyalty you know lots of CMOs and COOs talk about, you know, charting a digital future, growing revenues, retaining clients, retaining users, building loyalty. Um, that's all bogus. Yeah. If you know what users want. Yeah, and for me as well, I'm thinking of right now, privacy is, is a huge concern. Right now, people are, are, are relying less on cookies. They open, so you got to try, how do you replace a cookie so that you still know who the client is when they come back to you again? Yeah, look, I mean, it has to be consensual, you know, and cookies yeah. was a real shift in terms of analytics. I mean, you can't really interrogate apart from on the kind of a global level. So cookies and that, that GDPR regulation is a good thing, right, from a privacy point of view. But again, it's back to, you know, and I sound like a broken record here, but it's, you know, people tell you what they consensually want to agree to do, okay? And when they do that, it generally on quality of service or the product is compelling or the interface is compelling, or the experience in digital context is beautiful or joyous. And when they do that, they, they consensually buy into your products and services, you know, and that's the only way. That's the only way it's going to happen. And, and the way to find that out and to test that, and not just to kind of guess, and when we've seen, you know, we have this, we have this kind of uh, concept in, in all human of, you know, the leaky bucket, you know, which is this idea that we've seen lots of brands you know, generate huge traffic to their to their storefronts, to the e-commerce storefronts, um, and you know, it's this idea that volume will will tr will trickle through in a kind of a and there is a kind of an e-commerce rule of thumb of anything between two and four percent of conversion is acceptable. I don't buy that. Yeah, I think that's actually a very low bar. I think that you know, proof points that we've worked in where we can get it up to nearly seventy percent, you can get real throughput, so that your expenditure and there's a reason why Google is the is one of the most valuable companies in the world. They own the web. Yeah. And Google owned the web by generating traffic and charging significant expenditure to generate traffic to to your uh, to your website or to your app. You better make sure you get a return on that. Yeah. Um, and and when you do get a return on it, that is that is gold. That uh, that data set, that user interaction, that's how you build out your your, your P and L for the future. But that was funny. Um, know, sorry, go on. Sorry. Yeah, and that, they're the conversations we're having. Like in many ways, our industry is characterized by lots of jargon and lots of you know terminology. But you know, we're a very commercially focused company in yeah. the sense that it's really about okay, let's look at what the trade the trading position is today. 
what's going through your e-commerce and your pipes today? What is going through to your call center? What is the ROI? What is the share of attribution? Let's get down into the real brass tacks of what these channels are doing for you as a business. Um, and we baseline that. And then we start to ask people, what do they want? What are the, what are the elements that this, this, this client or this brand are servicing up today that is really working well? It's not the case that everything is suboptimal. Um, and then from that, we build out, you know, we chart a way to test, refine, and then we compare A and B. And that's the only way to do it. Yeah. Um, well, I'll tell you what I find uh, funny. Uh, I, I also have a, I have a food blog where I review restaurants. And all the time, Facebook knows... Kind of promote, I, I actually always post my latest views on Facebook. You know what I'm doing. And all the time I'm getting ads to restaurants that are not in my area. And I'm, I'm fine. If you're somebody who's investing in an ad like that, it must be frustrating to find out that they're targeting people that will never, ever go near you because they're not, they're not from the same area that they're, they're based in. Yeah, and this is what we're trying to, trying to point out as kind of, you know... Um advocates of a different way of thinking you know that default the tyranny of going to facebook and you know either being creeped out by something that isn't appropriate or being presented with restaurants that aren't even in your in your county mate yeah that as well you know, what we're trying to get back to is you know the fact that you you, you know you're the, the neighborhood restaurant that you love right yeah. why, why do you love that restaurant because it's a personal touch it's something that you connect with you like it okay what yeah. we're trying to do a little equivalent is create that sort of attraction and that sort of uniqueness for particular brands outside search so that they're associated so that when you do a search that your, your default is to go there and, and, and make sure that they're first and foremost in presence of mind and that's the future because otherwise everything becomes a comparative just a literally just a kind of a, a search string result and um, you know based on you know restaurants in wherever you live so that's that's the trick. It's it's a very 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 different mentality of of trying to build out and maintain your brand equity so that your brand actually has a future. And it's that big a question, you know. Um, there's a reason Jeff Bezos is the wealthiest guy in the world. Maybe after the other guy who makes electric cars. But the point is, they are sucking everything up. They're creating this centrifugal force where everything lives in these ecosystems. Um, and, you know, for, for organizations that plan to have a digital presence and maybe also retail and, and, and to navigate that omni-channel world, they need to make sure that they have a future. And the way to do that, as I said, is to do conventional methods of research, stand-up panels of, of real users, put products in front of them, ask them if this is what they want, um, and get buy-in. Uh, it's, it's as simple and as metronomic as that. Yeah. <laughs> Because you don't want a scenario where you got a company that's been around 50 or 40 years and the guy who runs it is old school and then suddenly he's got to face more technology. And you might be lucky in that his son or, or grandson is now involved and, and he's more up to date with what's going on with, with uh, digital marketing, etc. He hasn't got that and he's, he, you're trying to sell to this guy, you have to move the times. That's going to Yeah, and you're, you raise another point, which is a kind of a sensitive one, is, is the kind of generational shift as well. And, and this is, again, back to the kind of, I suppose, the... The silver bullet that is asking users, you know, in many ways, the people and the, you know, the age cohorts that are in charge of growing these digital channels for big clients are, you know, sometimes in the 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, they're out of touch, you know, and they are not on, they're not, they're not asking the questions of the cohorts that are going to be their future customers and clients, right? So that's again, back to the the value of asking real people is to, is to, is to net that out, to net all that guesswork out. What we've observed um, is that oftentimes quite you know 
won't name names here, but you know, quite quite significant brands are wasting huge expenditure and marketing budgets on applying, um, I suppose, buyer types or persona profiles that they've researched in a, in a, in a physical, non-digital context. They're, they're assuming that that will work yeah. in a digital context. Yeah, and it's, it's not. The, the rigor and the method is not there. And in many ways, that research is kind of out of date. Uh, and it's not tuned and it's not nuanced or curated enough to really find out exactly what will work in digital context. So, and it's eye-watering, Ronan. You know, it's yeah. really, really, this is back to what we talk about, this leaky bucket of, you know, serious brands and ones that are, are just they're operating on a kind of almost a, a, in a, in a, almost a, a type of inertia where they're just kind of trading through this. And their, their, their brand distinctiveness is, is becoming very commoditized. So they end up trading on price. They end up trading on service. Um, and that's a very tough place to be in the long term. And I don't think that, I think that long term is a value to yours. Because yeah, to me, I'm thinking that when you have somebody and they do research, and research is only based on bricks and mortar and not on, not on basic people that are using smart technology, they're suddenly losing a, a large uh, customers are not going to be using them more because they don't get it. Because they're thinking, hold on, I want to be able to do that on, on my own home. And now we've got COVID coming in. We're more just rising that more and more and more older people are using their smartphones to do this. But they're so ashamed when older people would prefer to go in a shop and everything else. They don't realise they're getting more tech savvy. Exactly. And maybe the, the use behaviour for elderly people were being, were being ageist in that sense as well. Is that maybe they, they have a preloaded list of what their groceries is and they're, they're happy to go out and just do pick up, you know, and they yeah. may be upsold on ad hoc. So the, all our conventions over the last year, it's been such an exciting time for for digital over the last two years. I mean, it's just been an accelerant. You know, digital was growing, but, you know, petrol was thrown on the fire over the last two years. And as I said, a lot of the behaviours that we observed, you know, and we've all experienced, myself included, over the last two years, they're not going away because it's easier and faster. And all we're trying to kind of communicate on this this, this interview and this conversation is there's a, there's, a, there's a kind of a guesswork way, there's a kind of a yeah. see what happens way, and then there's a more methodical, sure-footed, a commercial way to do it and that's what all humans about it's about really going back and asking those basic questions is this the right thing to launch and uh, you know and digital can be very expensive if you want to kind of invest, particularly in a mass market b2c context you know uh, before we commit all this media spend and all this time and effort and that you know if we get it wrong isn't going to really generate any income for us but also could be brand damaging and um, are we sure this is the right way to go and they're the questions we're asking in boardrooms now. Uh, we're asking those questions when you can't, you know, in many ways, digital was an afterthought. You know, if you go back five, ten years ago, you know, there would be something, a product or proposition would be born typically either in a marketing department and then it would be a phone call over to the IT uh, department to say, right now, we just need it online. And it was as, you know, rudimentary as that. Yeah. Things have evolved now. Things have evolved where... You know, digital has moved out of the IT CTO sort of domain into a kind of a broader CMO world. Um, but a lot of the kind of conventional CMO methods, which are great in a retail context, don't get me wrong, they're great in advertising. Those methods, they're not fit for purpose in a pure digital context and, and they miss they misfire. What? So what we're observing is, is that before you conceive of launching something, yeah maybe in a multi-channel context, bring digital up the food chain, bring it into the boardroom, bring it into the conversation at the start, because that can inform very, very big business gearing decisions.
Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore tech news. On Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Irish Tech News. On LinkedIn, linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash Irish dash tech dash news. On Instagram, instagram.com forward slash Irish Tech News dot IE. And on TikTok, tiktok.com forward slash at Irish Tech News.